Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis. Today I'm talking with Nancy Brace. Nancy is the president of the Greens Harbor Heritage Society in Greens Harbor, Newfoundland. The society formed in 2009, and its original mission was to preserve one of the few heritage buildings in the community, the former Orange Lodge. The society is currently working to preserve St. Matthew's Anglican Church, which was built in 1880 and deconsecrated in 2016. Nancy, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for, for coming in. And uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about Greens Harbor. For, for people who maybe are listening from away, where is Greens Harbor? So Greens Harbor um, is on the southern part of Trinity Bay on the eastern side. Right. Um, so if you are heading out of St. John's uh, Exit 28... Um, and I don't really know the number of the route. I can't remember if it's 60 or 80. Um, it's just the road. The road. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's uh, located between New Harbor and Whiteway. Right. Yeah. And you grew up there. I did. And uh, what was that like growing up in, in Greens Harbor? I loved it. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I to me it was just a magical place, like... I was one of those kids that sort of lived in a like a little fantasy world, and you know we set up booby traps because uh, uh, get smart was a thing, you know. <laughs> yes. And we'd set up booby traps walking to school, you know, for the spies, <laughs> and, and it was all very imagination driven. Yeah, and you, you said that the house that you have now was built by your grandfather. Yes, is that true? So yes. an early early twentieth century. So it's yep. a hundred it year old house. Some, somewhere between nineteen oh five and nineteen oh nine was when he. What built was that? It. You, t- you were telling me a story about the house that you you don't know the exact construction. I, date. I don't know the exact construction date because my uh, my grandfather he was, you know, late teens, early twenties, um, and he was absolutely in love with this uh, girl. Her name was Bertha, and I know her as Aunt Bertha Reed. But before she was a Reed, I'm not sure what her her maiden name was. Um, I think it was Roe. But anyway, he was in love with her, and they were going to get married. And he had built this house, uh, fairly rudimentary. And, and then he went up on the Labrador, as right. it was. Like so many you know, men did, yeah. Right, to fish for cash for... Um, the the season so he was gone about nine months i guess and when he came back she had jilted him and she was engaged to uh, mr reed somebody had moved in so here he was with a house (laughs) right yeah (laughs) and it was a number of years later uh anywhere between five and eight years later when he married my grandmother um so yeah so we were born and raised in the house my entire family essentially was born and raised in that house died in that house yeah our whole family history is in that house what was your grandfather's name john 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 charles yeah and i say john charles because as i was working on genealogy um i found that in my family i think as in many um they had about six names that they just recycled Yes. Yeah. So there were many, many, many Johns. <laughs> so he was John Charles. Yeah. And was it a big family? Um, no. His family that he grew up in, there were 13 kids right. in his family. Uh, my grandmother was 10 years older than him. Uh, she was a widow uh, with a child. And they had four children. She was older. So she was in her mid to late 30s. Okay. Um, her first child died as a one-year-old 
and then my father was of questionable health when he was born, and then the two girls were born. Yeah. Um, so have you always had an interest in family history, genealogy? Always. Yeah. Far back as I can remember. Yeah. So how did you how did you get involved with the the society then? Did did, did the society exist in no, a way, or you were one of the? I existed it. <laughs> <laughs> you you birthed it. Yeah. So um, a little bit of a backstory. Um, when I was in my teens, so I was brought up in the church, uh, that being the United Church, um, and the church in Greens Harbor was this beautiful hand built. Um, actually quite similar to Gower Street United. Um, it held five to 600 people. It was a, it was a big a church. Fair-sized church, yeah. Um, had the balcony. It was, it was a beautiful church. Um, and I loved that building. Um, when I was about 13 or so, I guess, um, unbeknownst to me, it had been brewing in the background for years to get a new church because this one was, you know, it needed a new roof. It was going to be very expensive. It didn't have a great foundation. It didn't have a church hall. All of the negatives you could think of. Yeah. And um, so when I was about 13, they tore down the church, built a new one. It was a 1970s church in a box type church. Yeah. I hated that church with every <laughs> fiber of my being. Um, and I never really got over that. I thought it was just so rude <laughs> you know because it was it took so much time and effort for the people who uh wanted that church there originally um to get that church when they had nothing right yeah. and and to just dismiss all of that hard labor and work to put up something that was you know basically in a box um and so that's what really kind of, bothered me. Kind of what made you a heritage activist, was it in a way? Well, yeah. it always it was always something that that was kind of like a real pivot point for me. Sure. Um, I lived away for a long time, and uh, I moved back home in um, 2007. And in 2000, end of no early 2009, I got a call from my niece, and she said the Orange Lodge is going up for sale. It's been closed. It's going up for sale. And that kernel in me <laughs> exploded of, like, there is no way that there's two buildings are going to be gone on my watch. Like, it's not happening. I was 13 with the first time. Well, I'm old <laughs> enough now to do something to do about something. it. do something, sure. So I had no real intentions of forming a society. I just was going to save that church. And to be honest, if I had had the money to do the restoration and turn it into a business for myself, I probably would have done that. Yeah. But we had the group of us that I pulled together to discuss saving the building. We had zero dollars. Zero. Like, not even a penny. There was no money. Uh, but we wanted to buy this building. Um, so, through the jinx and reels of it all, it was decided that it was probably easier to form a not-for-profit society to take this on than for one person to try and find the money to... To do it right, yeah. So we bought the building in December of 2009. And so, how did you gather that the funds in order to do that? Uh, <laughs> well, that's a fairly long story. <laughs> um, so, like I said, we had no money, and uh, we were determined that it was going to be saved. 
Uh, Mona and Mackie Cram are brother and sister of uh, what used to be a very prominent merchant family in the community. They're very much attached to the old ways, the old life, the, you know, all of that. And uh, they, we put in a bit, okay, so I'm going to back up a little bit and say we were severely overcharged for the building, but that was the only way we were going to get it. Um, so we paid 17500 for what is essentially a shell with no um, services, water or, yeah. services, nothing. Um, but it was the only way we could be guaranteed we'd get the building. So they gave us, between them, $5,000 as the deposit, and we worked out a deal with the Orange Lodge, uh, the Grand, uh, the Orange Lodge in Spaniards Bay, which was who now owned it because the, they had amalgamated into that lodge. Right, okay, yeah. Um, so I had originally worked out a deal with them that they would sell it to us for a dollar. I kind of guilted them into that, actually. <laughs> um but the Grand Orange Lodge of Canada said, no way, uh-uh, forget it, because they get a quarter of real estate sales, so they weren't interested in 25 cents. 25 cents, cents sure. So um, they said it had to go to public tender, so we put in, we kind of guesstimated that most people would bid between ten and $15,000, so we bid 17005 and we got it. So then uh, Mona and Mackie gave us $5,000 as a donation for the down payment. And then we worked out a deal um, where we could pay them three payments. We had no idea how we were going to pay them the three payments, but like, <laughs> cool. But optimism, you know, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. And then somebody um, kind of stepped up and came to our rescue and said that they would make the payments and we could pay it back. But that offer had a caveat in that we had six months to pay it back. And if it wasn't paid back in full in six months, he would take the building. So we were a month out. And I was like, there's not a chance that we're going to get this paid. Not a chance. Um, And one of our board members was telling her son about it, just as in like, I don't know what we're going to do type thing. And he lent us $10,000 and said, pay it back when you can. So we paid the guy what he had paid, and he got his money, and we got our building without that pressure of somebody's going to take it. Yeah. So since 2009, we, through dinners, I can't even think of all the things. You've had all kinds of events. Every kind of event you can imagine we've had. Um, And we've raised enough to pay for the building, uh, put a $15,000 roof on the building. We had to get the property uh, deeded and surveyed and all that stuff. That was about $4,000. we have just paid for our windows. We're close to $10,000. And we now have the front of the building done and hopefully this wonderful person Andrew Pretty from Dildo had approached us and said I think you guys need help getting the building done Um, I'm volunteering and he came and worked for three and a half weeks free that's great Um, he does he you know he's handy and he does he's interested in uh, heritage restoration so he volunteered his time, and he's now gone back to work. And then when he gets back from work, if the weather hasn't turned, 
uh, we hope to get at least one side done, if not the second side. Right. Now, can you describe the building for people? What does it look like? How, how big is it? So it's about 30 feet wide and 70 feet deep. Um, if any of you have ever been to Elliston to the uh, Nanny's Cellar, mm-hmm. I think it is, it's almost identical to that. Not quite, but almost. Um, and so the, the the main door is a double door. It's arched. Um, there's eight arched windows, four on each side. And the ceiling inside is also arched. Um, very um, typical of the lodges built in that time because the symbol of the Orange Lodge was the Royal Arch. So... Obviously, we can't call it the Orange Lodge. It's, it's not an Orange Lodge anymore. It's yeah. the Orange Lodge building. Um, we have named it the Arch Center, A-R-C-H, all capitals. It's an acronym for Arts, Culture, Recreation, and Heritage. Oh, okay, good. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know what it stands for, it still makes sense because of the architectural detail. Uh, and for anyone who knows anything about the Orange Lodge, it makes sense because it's That's a, a, good name, yeah. a nod to the, the Royal Arch. Yeah. Um, so when you go in, you're in a porch, and then you go in, which is under the balcony. And when you step inside the main building, it's just a wide open room. Um, it hasn't been touched like we're working basically with the original building. Uh, there was a lot of damage done to the um, black spruce tongue and groove um, beadboard ceilings when the leak was in the building before we got it. Before you fixed the roof. Yeah. 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 So a lot of work has to be done there, but um, but it's the whole building is done in tongue and groove, and uh, we've started ripping up what we thought was going to be a rotten floor because it felt kind of spongy, and then when we, we when we ripped up the old linoleum, we discovered that in the you know progress era of the '60s and '70s, um, they had put down chipboard on the five inch oh. plank floors. And um, so that was spongy. Yeah. But, but the plank the looks still. pretty good. Okay, We're, good yeah. We don't have it yeah. completely done yet, but it's yeah. getting there. So uh, at the end of the the era when the when the Orange Men still still had it. So what what year did they kind of stop having meetings? There? Um, they stopped having meetings there. I could be wrong about this, but I'm thinking within a. They stopped having meetings there about a year or two before we took it over. Right. Um, But there were only, they had to give up their charter because they only had, I think, six people left. Right. Yeah. So that's that was why it dissolved. Yeah. Uh, there just weren't enough members. And do you, do you have memories uh, as a as a child of, mm-hmm. of it being an active kind oh, of yeah, place? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, way back, um, the lodge in New Harbor and the lodge in Old Shop. Um, the two communities surrounding Dildo kind of thing with New Harbor Dildo was kind of one and Old Shop. They amalgamated into our lodge at that point. And some of the old books are there with the records of their memberships and so on. But the lodge from Spaniards Bay took the majority of or destroyed records um, before I got a chance to Get your hands get, on them. <laughs> get at it. They took all the swords and the, all the uh, yeah, regalia. regalia and so yeah. on. Yeah. So they did promise us, because I went in when they were doing that, and uh, I kind of guilted them into a promise that when we had the building done, they would allow us to display the swords and the regalia that belonged to our lodge. So I'm hoping that 
they'll um, live up to that promise. Um, but as a kid, uh, you know, everything in rural Newfoundland was church-based. Um, and the lodge itself, even though it wasn't to, you know, attached to one um, church. It was Right. Yeah. It yeah. was part of the um, Protestant faith. Hmm. And um, so for most churches, the lodge was the church hall. But that building was also where public exams were written because um, the schools were uh, smaller. You know, each denomination had... Now, the United Church had um, four classrooms and an auditorium above it called the French Hall. And the French Hall was called that, I believe, because that's where French classes and French exams were written. Oh, okay. Um, and, but it was an auditorium with a stage and a piano, and that's where the United Church did a lot of their um, school-related activities. But anything beyond that um, happened at the lodge. It also served as the courthouse. Joey Smallwood gave his pro-Confederation speeches there, hmm. you know. Uh, so it was a real hub of activity in the community. Did the, did the Orange Lodge in Greens Harbor, did they do special things at Christmas, New Year's? Yeah, so I don't remember specifically, but they always had events. There was always concerts and yeah. that sort of thing. Um, we have some pictures of... You know, um, it may have been the coronation of Elizabeth's father, George. George. No, not her father. George was also his father, right? Or grandfather. Yes, father, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, his, George V, perhaps? Yeah, yes. okay. I think uh, there was, um, I think it was him, but it's a picture of the uh, big... Um, Arch. Ceremonial arch. And yep. done with green boughs. Right, yeah. And all of the lodge members around it. And they yeah. had, you know, the raising of the flags and all that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. And they were very active in the community. A lot of people don't know this, but there's a lot of um, educated people from the community who received their education because the Orangemen helped pay their tuition. Mm. Uh, they became doctors and dentists and so on. Um, th- and they could never have afforded that. And the Orangemen did that. And I think one of the things that brought down the Orange Lodge from where it was, um, aside from the orange and green issues and all of, you know, the the religious aspect of it, I think that um, one of their tenets of their beliefs was to do good deeds, but for them to be unknown. Um, so in a in a an era like of the 60s, 70s, and onward to now, if you don't tell people you did the good deed, you don't get the PR for it, right? Yeah. Um, So they were very well known for, you know, if there were widows in the community who had no firewood, she would get up one morning and there'd be all the firewood she needed for the winter would be there, and she wouldn't even know who put it there kind of thing. And it was the group of, of the man that would go and cut the wood and bring it over and, or donate some of their own or whatever the case may be. So a lot of those things were happening, but nobody necessarily, they were sworn to secrecy on everything that they did. Yeah. And I think there's been a real shift in the way that those kind of uh, fraternal organizations worked in, in communities. You know, we, we have seen... 
uh, so many communities where this story has been repeated, you know, that yeah. the, the membership in the lodge, and, and that might be an Orange Lodge or a, a Society of United Fishermen yeah. or a Masonic Lodge where the numbers just keep going down and down and down. Eventually those buildings get sold, sometimes just for the lumber, sometimes for the land. You know, we have seen so many of those places close. Well, ours and, was going to be, if one guy got it, it was going to be for the land because he wanted access to the land behind. Yeah. That he owned. If another guy got it, it was going to be turned into a garage for his big truck. Right. And I was like, no, not a chance in hell. No. <laughs> so, so what's your plan now? What would you, What is your dream for the building? So the dream for the building, on the back of the building, by the way, there's also a built-on part. And it's where the kitchen was and the little dining room. Um, and I think we've made up our minds that we will tear that off and rebuild it so that that is uh, new and up to code right, and a modern all kitchen of that. Space, yeah. But it will look like an old Newfoundland kitchen. And that will be for rent. If you want to have a birthday party, you know, that kind of thing, you can rent that space. Hmm. It can be a place that we use for our own fundraisers. It will be separate and apart. It'll have its own door. So you don't have to rent the whole hall. You can rent that part. You can rent the hall without that part. You can rent both, depending on the size of your thing. Um, for us, it'll be a fun rate. It'll, it'll, it'll make itself viable. The potential is there that we could rent out the back part as a cafe to somebody who wants to run a cafe, and we collect rent to make the building sustainable. Yeah. Um, but mainly, the main part of the building, I would like to see for live performances of various kinds, whether it's um, a mishmash of music, comedy, uh, dinner theater, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, I'd like to see it be a, an entertainment hub again. What, what has the response been in the community to, to seeing the building being purchased and restored? So Greens Harbor is not a tourism-driven community. It has never been a tourism-driven community. When they put the provincial park down at the end, I can remember as a kid hearing all the adults saying, oh, great, now there's going to be cars everywhere, right? Like, that's kind of been the the way we've been. Um, so, unlike, you know, going to Trinity or Elliston or Bonavista now, um, they don't see the point of saving these old buildings, okay? So, when we bought it, it was, huh, now, what are they going to do with that? What a waste of money, right? Um, and it's taken us, I figured it would have been a five-year project. We're now looking at it being probably 10 years before we get to that point. Um, but right up till, let's say this summer, people were still of the, you know, what are they doing over there? They're raising all this money and nothing's happening. Because we had to take the windows out. Sure, and yeah. the building looked worse than it did when we bought <laughs> it, right? And so what is happening over there, you know? Um, they're not even putting a lick of paint on the place. And then this summer when we had somebody to, who knew what they were doing to help us and we reinstalled the big round star of the east window and we re-shingled painstakingly re-shingled the front and put the new trim on and painted everything and have new storm doors. Now they're like, wow, that looks great. Yeah, 
Yeah. So now they can see that the potential. Yes. They're starting to see what I've seen all along. So I'm thinking they're a little more on board now. We just had a fundraiser um, that kind of came out of the blue, really. Um, And it was around the shingles. And uh, what happened was uh, Andrew had gone for his lunch. We'd both gone for our lunch. And he was gone to Dildo for his lunch. And uh, I got back before he did. And uh, whatever happened, he was later getting back than planned. So I was about half an hour sitting there, you know, I can't do anything because I don't know how to do anything. And then I sort of was like, well, it's freaking shingles. It can't be rocket science. (laughs) Like, we've already got the chalk line drawn, so I'm just going to try it. So I put on a shingle. Oh, that's not so bad. So I put on another shingle. And eventually I had the whole row done. And I was pretty proud of myself. I stood back and I looked at it. It was just as good as his, right? Awesome. So uh, it was actually on the Monday of Orangeman's Day. Uh, Orangeman's Day is July 12th, but this was the 9th. And I took a Sharpie and I wrote on the shingle up where the next one would overlap. I wrote up there, um, Orangeman's Day, July 9th, 2018, this entire row was put on by Nancy Brace. <laughs> kind of a Kilroy was here situation. Yeah. And from that, it was that was kind of the germ of the idea of a fundraiser that we've been so successful with. We uh, picked a day, and we had a little barbecue to raise some extra money. But it was uh, by a shingle day for the time capsule wall. And you paid $5 for a shingle. And you could write, draw, whatever you wanted on the back of it. And it would be put on the wall and never to be seen again until somebody else did renovations on the building. And then they would find, hopefully 100 years from now, they'll find these stories and details and pictures from 2018, all that way, long time ago. Um, And people really... Uh, really came up with, you know, like they really supported it. So we sold 160 shingles that day, um, plus 20 I had sold for people who weren't going to be there that day, so they had come earlier. And uh, the little store in Greens Harbor called Knickknacks that sell all the homemade crafts and so on, mm-hmm. uh, Lorraine Welsh owns that. And she's she lives in White Bay, but she's from Greens Harbor. Her mother was a past mistress of the LOBA, uh, so it was important to her. And uh, she's selling them at Knickknacks. So you can go to Knickknacks and you can buy your You can go to Knickknacks and tell your story on the back of a shingle (laughs) for $5. Excellent. Um, We're coming close to the end of our time. Uh, If people want more information on the work of the society, there's a Facebook page. There's a Facebook page, Greens Harbor Heritage Society. Uh, We have a website. G-H-H-S-N-L dot com. And if you Google it, it'll, it'll come up. up. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And you have more events coming up to, I, I suspect, more fundraising yep. events. Yeah, we have that. a yeah. craft show day <laughs> um, on September 29th. Uh, we don't have the date set right yet, but we do a Christmas time in November, uh, later in November. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's always tickets and draws and 
So we'll I'm just... going to do that till I die. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch on Facebook for all those things. And we didn't even get a chance to really to talk about St. Matthew. So as that project unfolds, we'll have to get you to come back and that's tell us about that. That's a fight with the that. Anglican Church. So yeah. that, that <laughs> that's may, a, that's may a also take till I die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our Heritage Broadcast Assistant is Natalie Dignam in partnership with the Conservation Corps Newfoundland and Labrador ECHO program. We would love to know what you think of the show. If you have a question or a suggestion for a future program, leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page, email livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com, or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening. <laughs>